BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Breaking Beauty, the podcast all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. We're your hosts, Jill Dunn and Carlene Higgins. Hello, and welcome back to Breaking Beauty Podcast. Hey, Carlene. So you guys, you've been listening for a while now, and you know that we're two beauty editors turned podcasters. If you're a lover of our founder episode series, and you're interested in like the behind the scenes of how to build a brand that people become obsessed with, then you're going to love today's episode. It's kind of like a masterclass in branding. Right. Yeah. So whether that could apply to you if you're branding yourself on social media, just as a Mm -hmm. creator or you're creating something or you have the nugget of an idea for something that you want to bring to the world. Or even if you're just interested in marketing. Absolutely. So you're going to want to sit up and take notes for this Audible Masterclass. And our guest today is Erin Kleinberg. Carlene, we both agree that Erin, she really knows what's up. She has her finger on the pulse of what's trending, what's hot, what's cool. And if you guys aren't familiar with Erin, she's the CEO and co-founder of Metier Creative. It's an award-winning advertising and branding agency. And they've worked with, honestly, the most bomb-ass clients. Everybody from Live Tinted to La Mer, The Way, Say Beauty, the list goes on. They even built Mega Babe from scratch. And that's not all. Erin was one of the original co-founders of The Coveture, which alongside Stephanie Mark and Jake Rosenberg, she launched back in 2011. That was just so influential. I know myself personally, I was obsessed. She also has her own fashion label called Cydia that's been written about in Vogue and Women's Wear Daily. And Carlene, I think so many people have been reevaluating and rebranding and just rethinking. I think Mm -hmm. that's been one of the gifts that COVID has given us is that it gave everybody a moment to pause to just think about what they're doing, what they're working on. And that applies to us as well as creators, Mm -hmm. because we were looking at ourselves five years into this podcast and we were like, hey, maybe we need a little tune up, a little facelift, a little glow up moment. And full disclosure, we are working on a new logo and a new website and all of the accoutrement that come with branding Breaking Beauty and the whole world around it. So we even recently launched our new scrunchies, Carlene, and tell everybody where they can get them. Yeah. So if you haven't picked up one of our 
super soft bamboo scrunchies. You can visit the Dear Media shop to purchase one. There's a small, a medium, and a jumbo size. And we'll link to that on our blog, of course, at breakingbeautypodcast.com. And full disclosure, this is a partnered episode with Metier. We were just so inspired by this process of going through our brand refresh with them. We learned so many insights that we felt people would be super interested in. Like we said, we feel like people are just like harboring these creative ideas. And I know, Jill, you had a prediction that in September, everything's just going to pop off because people have been sitting on these kind of like refreshes. Who doesn't love a makeover? And I think what's fantastic about Metier, honestly, because we did look at other agencies, is they just get it when it comes to fashion and beauty. Do you know what I mean? Like, Some of the other agencies, like they were so cool, but they were almost like too cool. Like there was a bit of that hard edge that's not really approachable. And I just love how they really get it when it comes to fashion and beauty. Yeah. And I really think we've both said that pretty much everybody that we worked on and we collaborated with at Metier, we could see all of them wearing our merch. They're almost like our Mm -hmm. listeners too. So that was really fun and a really creative, collaborative process. And I think we both learned a lot about ourselves and our brand. And it really forced us to ask those big questions. And I think it was just a really worthwhile exercise for sure. That's right. Let's do this. I feel motivated. Let's go. (laughs) So a few things you're going to hear in today's episode, the most memorable coverture closet that Erin will never forget and what that experience taught her when it comes to working with these big fashion and beauty brands. The old school marketing tool that's making a comeback right now. I was surprised to hear that one. The biggest mistake that people make that can lead to an instant flop instead of an instant pop-off moment. And finally, we're going to hear the three top shelf beauty items that gets Erin powered every morning, including a beauty tool that's so good, she even takes it on her morning walks. So... Here she is. Welcome, Erin Kleinberg. And now a short break with one of today's show partners, Conair. Can you hear it? That's the back to school bell ringing already. It happens every September. I get that excitement in my belly. It was like yesterday when I was in college buying new clothes, planning my outfits and my hairstyles for that first week back on campus. A little bit of truth telling though, I'm not great at doing my own hair. Plus I'm lazy slash busy. So I really like hair tools that serve up instant results on a platter. That's why I've been loving Conair's double ceramic triple barrel waver. It's a triple barrel curling iron that gives you deep, uniform waves without any kinks. And because it's a triple barrel, my waves are done so fast. I just section my hair. I start at the root. I press down until I reach the bottom. I go across my whole head. I've got beachy looking waves in no time. Now, that's the benefit of the triple iron pop quiz. Let's talk about the double ceramic technology. Well, we know that ceramic helps the iron heat up faster and more even. So by doubling down on that technology, you just get twice as fast, longer lasting results. I notice my waves will go for at least three days, which is awesome. There's also 30 heat settings. So it's great for every hair type. Don't fry your hair on the highest, my fine haired friends. And the best part is, okay, I can see it now. You're flying out the door to get to your beauty chemistry class. You're sitting there in the front row. Oh, I left my Conair double ceramic triple barrel waver on. 
Don't panic. It has a built-in auto off feature. You're not going to burn down your res, okay? No worries. Conair Double Ceramic Triple Barrel Waiver. It's about the cost of a single blowout at a salon. So if I was on a college budget, I know where I'd be putting my money. Head on over to conair.com and search waiver to pick up yours. That's C-O-N-A-I-R.com and search waiver. We'll put a direct link in our show notes and on our blog. And now back to today's branding masterclass. Hi, I'm Dom Roberts, a designer, creative, and activist living in Los Angeles. This is The Uncomfortable Podcast, a show where I speak with new friends, fellow activists, and guests all united and passionate about different injustices or just generally uncomfortable topics. It's time to dig deep into the human experience, and that's on period. It's all love. Let's get uncomfortable. I mean, we have to talk to you about how you got started because you are one of the OG co-founders of Coveture, which you launched a decade ago now before breaking out on your own. And that was huge. I mean, that like went viral before we even knew what viral was, right? And you just kind of fell into that. Tell us that story. Yeah, for sure. So it's been a journey. It's been a trip of serial entrepreneurialism, <laughs> which I so enjoy. And I started my journey of this life way before Instagram and before that was a thing and everyone had their own side hustle. So it was kind of lonely in the early days, but you know, Coveture actually stemmed from my earlier relationship. So I interned at W Magazine for Alex White, the creative director, which was an insane opportunity where I got to learn everything and help her style campaigns from Celine to Oscar de la Renta and Chanel. I mean, just absolute like lifetime, once in a lifetime opportunity. And that really set me up to then um, start my own clothing brand at the ripe old age of 22, where I ended up selling to Barney's and Neiman's and Nordstrom's and Lane Crawford and 80 stores worldwide without knowing anything of what I was doing. But it was really, it was really that, that opportunity with my clothing brand that led me to have a tour because I was heavy in production. There's a lot of dollars that go into production and inventory, and there's a lot of logistics. And I was 25 years old and I was sitting at brunch with a friend of mine, Steph, and we were just thinking about how, what we could do together, something, a passion project. And we, we loved what Tommy Tan was doing at the time. He was traveling the world and he was Canadian and he was shooting what was happening outside the shows. And so we thought, well, anyone can kind of get what's outside the show. Let's get what's like inside the home and let's mm-hmm. juxtapose people's style against their environment and see what happens. And so it really was honestly a passion project. And I was like, oh, there's like no overhead in websites. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we laugh. And- <laughs> I was obsessed though. Like I remember I was working at Flair at the time, which for any mm-hmm, of our mm-hmm. American listeners was like the Vogue of the North at the time. But I would follow Coveture. Like I wanted to see in those closets. I was obsessed. And like the aesthetic was just so right. Like getting the shoes next to a book, next to a candle. And like, I don't know. But I think Jill and I need to understand whose closet was the best, the most unforgettable that you just like, you won't forget. Okay. So covetouring Coco Chanel's apartment was huge pinch me moment. So I absolutely love that. And it was really cool because when we were covetouring her, she has a pair of glasses. They have a pair of glasses that were hers that sit on her, on her desk. And we took the shot and like afterwards we were looking at the photos and there was this weird glowing light like in the photo. And we were all just like, Coco knew we were there. It was so cool. I love that covetouring is a verb. 
yeah. or was a verb. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm curious from your point of view, like what experience, what did it teach you being at Coveture when it comes to like your own agency or working with fashion and beauty brands? What did you take from that that you use at Metier now? Yeah. I think the big takeaway that I took is that people want real raw content. They want to see the real thing. And I think that has resonated in the last couple of years with branding and brands and just being more open and more inclusive and more crowdsourced. And I think that was like really obvious to me at the time. And I think that I also learned how to be nimble. I was able to start this agency with my co-founder, Stacey, because we knew content through and through. We would go into someone's house and be creating like a Victorian story, a nostalgic story, a vintage story, like creating all these stories with all of their items in under three hours. So like, plus the schmoozing with them, plus the, the getting it all going and shooting it. Like it was so quick and so fast and relationship building. So I think that sort of ability to connect with the, um, with the subject at the time has allowed me to understand how to connect with the brand. And I think brands are people, brands are a conversation, brands are a feeling and emotion. So it just helped prep me to be able to work with brands on the other side and help them understand kind of like how to see things through an editorial lens. Mm-hmm. And so many of those people that you profiled, frankly, are brands now themselves is kind of how it's evolved, which is interesting. On that note, let's talk a little bit about your brand, Cydia. So tell us about how that got started. Because I actually owned a piece of your original line and I wore it to death, Erin. It was so comfy. So I'm curious to learn a bit more about like how it all evolved into Cydia. So in in a nutshell, we've been building brands under Metier with founders and with heritage brands for six years now, which is crazy. And the whole time I've always kind of been like, I want to do this for myself. I want to build one of these brands for us. And I think that's always been in our mind and in our radar, but it was just about finding the right time. And I think with COVID, it was like the right time. Kicked our asses. So much changed. My grandmother passed in two days before like the lockdown really happened and just all got me thinking. And it was this thing that I had been planning and plotting for the last 14 years of my career almost. And also knew that it would be a great way for me to channel my grief. And it was like the only thing that I could do almost. So consumer facing brand began and it was incredible. We brought back this caftan, this style of dress that I had in my old days in my clothing line. And everybody just loves it. It's so versatile. Anyone can wear it. It's so multi-generational. I wore the caftan to birth my two children and my grandmother wore the caftan on her last day here to the point where like we buried her with one because it was just such a familial moment for us to connect through fashion and beauty and lifestyle. Like she was a Holocaust survivor and an immigrant to this country. And really the reason why I'm in this space, like I got everything I know from her. And I think Carly and your compliment about my taste level, my eye, that's where it comes from. It's the gut instinct. It's the intuition, believing that like fire in your belly that knows what's right and knows Mm -hmm. I guess what's cool. And so Cydia is a full on lifestyle brand. And that's her name, right? That's That's her name. Yeah. 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 I love that story. Do you ever think you'll get into beauty with Cydia? Good question. (laughs) So yes, I think the way I view the quote unquote words fashion brand right now, having lived through the days where I had a full on ready to wear brand that had like 40 SKUs and it was that whole thing. I think now when I look at the items we make, we're really heroizing single products, just really making sure that the products that we make, which is the caftan, the Cydia set and our cloud nine headband 
are all the best they can be. And people are like, oh, what's coming next? I'm like, not more skews, just more of the (laughs) same greatness that we're heroizing. And I, I think that as we build that out, we're really trying to target this axis of beauty and lifestyle. I think we've built so many beauty brands, so many skincare brands, but nobody's really paying attention to the intersection of those two. Like, what are the accoutrements that you need in your routine? Like, mm-hmm. I wear my caftan when I come out of the shower. It's me and my time in my oasis. And like, what are those things around me? What does the body brush look like? What's the candle scent? We want to build Cydia as this really beauty lifestyle focused vibe. Love it. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you in part by Nutrafol. So probably like a lot of you listening right now, I've gotten really into supplements in the past year. It just goes with my whole running, self-care, power-up agenda that I've taken on to stay mentally well and physically fit. One of the ones that I never fail to take every single morning is my Nutrafol. Nutrafol offers two targeted formulas just for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. So Nutrafol Women is great if you're experiencing thinning hair caused by stress, dieting, overstyling, environmental toxins, while Women's Balance is formulated with additional hormone support for those with thinning hair through menopause. So Even though I haven't hit menopause yet, I'm still taking the women's balance because I do like that in addition to magical biotin, it's got a ton of ingredients to specifically support hormone health. And I just feel like my hormones, they are changing and I can use all the support that I can get. I've been taking these for a few months now, and I really don't see much shedding at all in the shower these days, and my nails are absolutely stronger too. I'm trimming them all the time. But they do recommend giving it six months to see the full hair results, and that's because in a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. And that's why you're always hearing doctors recommend Nutrafol as a solution for thinning hair, which by the way, 30 million women are currently experiencing So if this is you, you are not alone. And Nutrafol could be a solid solution for you too. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code BREAKING to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T. R-A-F-O-L dot com promo code breaking. We will link to this on our blog and in our show notes. And now back to our guest. So if somebody couldn't really afford you guys, she's bootstrapping. (laughs) How can a person or an up and coming brand try to kind of replicate the process that they would get through Mattier? Like, what is the first thing they should do? Just going back to marketing 101, I I think of like mission statement. That feels a bit old school, but is it called something else now? Or like, what would be step one in this kind of exercise that you guys do? Totally. So... The funny thing about me is that like I came off off the cover tour, but like I had never worked at an ad agency or creative agency. And so I really didn't know what they did. (laughs) I never hired one. I never. And so like it was, you know, it was really, it really started with passion and just knowing what, again, we feel in our gut instinct. So I think my advice to founders would be take a long sheet of paper and start writing out 
almost your own version of a brand Bible. Like, again, the why are you doing this? How are you going to do it? What's different about it? How will you action that? How will you start to activate the community? To me, it's always like white space and why, and then community. And like, that doesn't mean expensive market research platforms. It means your friends, your family, Facebook groups, DMs. Like when I started Cydia, it was literally me in the DM talking to all of these women about like what they wanted to see next. Like someone had worn my items in the past, like Jill. And really just data mining and then using like the free tool that is Excel and just culminating it. And then that data starts to become formative and informational in terms of what you could see for the future. So I think it's really about just hunkering down and not talking to anyone and spending time alone, like maybe in nature and just pouring out what what their soul wants for the vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I heard Oprah on a podcast recently talking about the answer is inside you and you just have to sit in stillness until you get the answer. And if you don't get it right away, you just have to keep sitting with your own thoughts and your own feelings until it like comes to you basically. And how yeah. she only asks like three people in her life for for advice or what their opinions are. And I just thought that I was like, that's so good to just like think about in this day and age when we can all get so overwhelmed with everybody's opinions on social media that are coming at you from every which way. Absolutely. I'm not a big meditation person, but I remember talking to my dad about meditation once. I was like, would you ever be interested in that? And he's like, he's old school and he's an engineer. So he's like, absolutely. I would like nothing more than to sit in a room for two hours and just think. And I was like, dad, it's the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You clear your mind so that you don't think and you quiet all of the voices. But I think that's what is, that's what's so interesting is that you establish that quiet. Yes. And you put out an intention and you get an answer. And I do think it's really powerful that answer will come to you like literally a little voice. Yeah. I wanted to get back to just really quickly because you mentioned. Mm brand Bible. And so for anyone who doesn't know, and again, they can DIY this a little bit, what is that? And why is that a powerful tool? For sure. So I've seen brand Bibles look all different shapes and sizes. They can be super short and concise. They can be 90 pages that go through every single process of like every, every utilization of the logo and certain color palettes and that sort of thing. But that said, I think The reason why the brand Bible is important is because it's this tool and this North star guiding light that explains everything about the brand in one concise place. So that when you do a collaboration, you can share that brand Bible with others. Or when people come onto the team that can be shared with them in an easy digestible way. It's like this place that almost holds you accountable to the brand so that, you know, like, okay, no, we're not going to collaborate with X person because that's not what this brand Bible says. Because it's hard to Jill's point. Sometimes I'm the kind of person that feels very visionary and direct. And sometimes I feel like everyone on social is yelling at me and I should just listen and copy the trend. So that brand Bible really like helps to ground you and and create that sense of cohesion and, and uniformity amongst the brand voice and tone and look. Yeah. I love that. It's like an anchor that brings you back. Yeah, totally. And, and I'll add this too. Like, I think that there's a lot of, of, 
young people coming out of like university and college who are like learning new things in school and they can help you build a brand Bible. Like there's a lot of young talent that are looking to like flex their muscles and get opportunities and try new things. So if you are like super bootstrapped, there's ways. I feel like Canva probably has like, here's how to build your brand Bible, like (laughs) templated. Like if you're literally don't know where to start or don't even know what that is, I think there are definitely lots of resources out there to help you. Certainly a lot more now than there were 10 years ago. But then there is this whole crowdsourcing moment going on too, when obviously Glossier and then more recently with Ame Kole with Jada and Jai, she was on our show and she laid everything bare when she was creating her brand. She was like from the colors to delays with packaging. She just like let everybody see every single thing going on with her branding process. So curious what your thoughts are and how much do you keep hidden because you don't want other people to copy it or drag it before you even get it to market? Or is it all about showing the behind the scenes and getting people to sort of buy in early days? We talked about when we were rebranding with your team, we talked about doing that with our logo, letting our audience decide. And then we just had a debate on that. And I, cause I kind (laughs) of, I kind of went back to like, well, at the end of the day, only Carlene and I really need to like it. And like, what if we really like it and everybody else hates it? And we've already decided we like it. And I was like, let's put the six logos up and let people vote and let it ride. That's (laughs) what I would do. But you have chosen what they chose? That's Well, that's what I said. I would have said it's like, no. So anyway, what's your (laughs) take? So there's so many different personalities and and ways to slice it, right? Depends the brand, Mm. depends the vibe. But I think like Jada is a storyteller. Jada is mm-hmm. going to tell the story so beautifully and she incorporates the audience. And I, I love that about her. I'm kind of in the world of like half, if you will, because I think you should share a lot of what you do. Like I said, I always talk to people about what they want and incorporate feedback. They wanted a shorter dress. Then the half calf was born. I think that's really important. But in beauty, as we know, formulas are so proprietary and you do have to be careful with what you show. That said, like showing a lab sample or like, like it's, you're not going to be divulging anything. So I think it's really about having the community partake in the fun and be able to weigh in. But at the same time, I do feel that founders are doing this for a reason and they are the experts. And so their thoughts should be imparted too. So I think there needs to be a world where both exist. Right. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because back in the olden days, you had to pay a bundle for market research. And now it's just all about tapping your own audience, right? And I feel like that's why there's so many influencer brands. They're like, this is already built in and ready to go. But I'm curious if you didn't come from an influencer background, you don't have a million followers already. Do you have any tips for like newer platforms, how you can start to cultivate those insights from the ground up? Yeah, I think it still goes back to community because you need to just tap in. Whether or not you have thousands of followers, that's one thing, but there's still like humans. There's human beings that are of influence. Influencers was just a term that was like coined in the last 10 years, but there's always been people that influence culture. And I think it's about knowing that it takes a village. It takes a village to build things. It takes a village to support you as a founder. But I do think that, yeah, like trying different things, trying maybe a Facebook group that's private. If it's like, you're like a mom brand, then maybe you tap into like a little tiny community there. I've seen so many brands that started with such like really small, densely populated, but extremely engaged groups. And that mm. can like spawn. spawn yeah. Into even Slack, right? I've heard Slack, like, Slack WhatsApp, Slack, you know? even like, you know, text, like all these forms. But for me at the end of the day, and especially coming out of COVID, like 
I love IRL, meet with people, like have a group, have a session where people try on your products and give them like a discount code at the end or give them a gift or whatever it is. That's why I love the sample sales, Jill. I love that I got to meet the consumer because I was selling wholesale. It's like, okay, bye bye box to Barney's. And then I would never know anything about, about who the shopper was. So I love that connection. I feel like that's why Glossier is going back to the retail and like really pushing this hard because I think it's fascinating because retail has been so dead, but I feel like it's about probably the thinking is around experiences, right? This is a way that we can create local, regular, ongoing experiences. And maybe part of it is about coming back out of COVID. I'm not sure, but it's an interesting play. Totally. And I think like, that's what we love so much at Metier Insidia is like this world building, creating somewhere that can transport you into another more ethereal time. I think that's what Glossy has done such a great job of. It's like they go to the store and sure they're buying a lipstick, but like they're in the canyon. Like it's yeah. fun. It's just fun. I think that people yeah. are looking for so much more than product in certain brand cases for sure. Yeah. What about conversion? Can you explain what that is and what's the single biggest thing that turns that key? Like, do you audit influencers you work with? Is it about micro influencers now? Like what really creates that engagement, moves product? What's your vibe on that right now? Loaded question, Jill Dunn. Okay. What moves the needle? So it's such a different landscape today. So when Warby Parker and Glossy were doing this, it was like about acquisition on Facebook. You know what I mean? It was much less expensive. And so now I feel as though the ecosystem of all the different things are what makes everything up. I couldn't sit here and be like, this influencer like always drives or this group of it. Yeah. It's not like that because it's so much more crowded. It's so saturated. And so it's about doing all the things. It's about working with some influencers. It's about micro influencers. It's about... PR, growth hacking, word of mouth relationships, small marketing like Facebook and Slack and just having those conversations. It's about events. Like it's just this web of things that need to happen together. But I will say that when I started Cydia, I just assumed that Instagram was the place where we were going to drive sales because that's how the only place other than our website that we could like speak our voice and our story. But newsletter is actually where the people make the money. I didn't realize that, but newsletter marketing, email marketing is really the way. Like when we launched, we had, I don't know, like, welcome to our our brand letter from Aaron and like one email that would go to them over time. Now that we're learning more and more about it, the flow system that happens with email where, and you guys are victims of it, obviously we all are, (laughs) but that's how, that's how a lot of the conversion is happening. I would say, I really do find that's the biggest mover and driver for us. And so we try to do relationships, have relationships and contests with other brands so we can gain more emails. Like we're always on the hunt for more emails. It's about getting new consumers. And that's kind of how we're trying to grow truck by truck. Well, I think Tomi Bailey talked about this on her show. She's the founder of Makeup for Melanin Girls and she also works in tech. She's brilliant. And she talked about how the importance of email newsletters, because at the end of the day, as a company, all you will own is the emails. Facebook and Instagram will change Mm -hmm. their algorithm on you constantly. Like never, it could go away tomorrow. YouTube could go away tomorrow, like into the ether, but you'll always have this database of emails and it's worth so much. And it's really a full circle moment because I think about Goop, that started as a newsletter. So did Laney Gossip. So did uh, Cup of Joe. 
And now like we're back there again in a way where the the meat of your customers are like that core group of customers. They're going to subscribe and probably convert, right? I know. I sit around at night being like, I wish I had my Covator newsletter base. <laughs> I've been gone from there for some time, so it's not happening. But it's so easy to build the newsletter base on the media side. It's yes. tougher on the brand side. But I think it's all about having an editorial voice and being able to blend right. sales and storytelling. Yeah. Right. And what about the latest iOS privacy update? From what we're hearing, it's kind of wreaking havoc on a lot of brands, especially small brands who relied a lot on Facebook and Instagram marketing and advertising. What's your take on all this? Or do you have advice? Should people be panicking? I don't know enough about the topic, but my suggestion that goes in line with what I just said about the ecosystem is like, do not rely on Facebook and Instagram as your main sales driver. Like you have to be very diversified in the approach. It's just not those days anymore because of these updates, it has hindered sales. And so I think it's so important to test different things. Maybe we've tested advertising on Snapchat. Maybe TikTok is going to be a thing. Maybe WhatsApp, like podcasts. Content. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just about diversifying the funnel and testing. The number one thing about owning a brand is iterating. You have to try different things, thinking about maybe brick and mortar when you can or pop up or you can't rely on the Facebook machine. It's great, but it's not, it's like one of eight things that are going to drive for you. Yeah. What about other maybe low cost, low budget things you can do to help grow your brand that people might not think about? I think that people underestimate the power of themselves. Like you can do so much for your brand. Like I, in all the years I've been doing this, I was always a huge fan of just cold reach outs, like just reaching out and you never know. Like I, that was how I made a relationship with Lena Dunham. Just like met her through a friend, asked for the intro, wasn't afraid to ask. And and then we like made custom prints together for my brand in 2015. And I just think that you can impact so much and you can have so much influence over what happens by just going for it. Yeah. Don't ask, don't get back to that idea. Yeah. And, and like barterings is a thing that happens. I think that's important to do. Like, it's like, I'll do this. We can have a knowledge exchange. Like I might have something that you don't have and vice versa. And you just never know until you ask. Mm -hmm. And engagement has been a really buzzy word. I don't know if it's as relevant. I mean, I think it is. I think it's just the modern day version of word of mouth, really. Are there any newer or, or like really powerful ways in 2021 to kind of get that engagement going? Like where should people be investing their time and energy? Yeah, I think it's multi-level marketing, right? Like multi-level yeah. marketing is huge. Personally, I, with Cydia, like we're not at a place where we can scale something like that. Like it takes a lot of people. Glossier probably has like, I don't know, tens of thousands of people that are advocating for them, which is incredible, but I'm sure it took so much time to build that up. Like same thing with Missouri. I think it's a similar model. And I think that the referral program and including all of those micro-influencers to advocate for you is incredible, but I think it takes time. It's not something that can happen overnight, but to me, we always talk about at Metier and Cydia, like this idea of friends of the house, the Foth, we call it. And it's just about creating those relationships over time and really getting to know people, what they're looking for. And one by one, you start to grow this, this network that continues to expand. And I think between the friends of the house and the multi-level marketing it can pop. It just, I think it takes time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a great point is the idea of these potential s synergies. 
Mm-hmm. That could happen. And I think I can't help but to like be a bit introspective about ourselves because we're always, I mean, we've interviewed a million founders and people in this industry. And I think that's the challenge for us as a weekly. It's just like, it's a bit of love them or leave them. But like, yeah. honestly, there could be so many synergies happening in terms of like just supporting each other. I think that's a great point is just to always keep that in mind. And I, I do think just having worked with you for the short time we have that you're, you are really good at that. Like as soon as we, right away when you connected, you were like, you have to speak to so-and-so I'm going to connect you through email. You guys need to talk that. So that's, and that energy comes back to you too, I think for sure. Yeah. The other thing too, that really moves the needle is collaborations. You guys know this, but even for smaller beauty brands, like teaming up with each other, creating like a limited edition, maybe at first it's like, just like a bundle. And then it becomes like a limited edition product together. I think that brands are going up the ladder because they're borrowing this equity from each other. And it's really mushrooming. And like, I'm such a sucker for all those exclusive moments. I think that's something that really excites us. At Cydia, we have yet to do our first real collab because to me, it has to be like the most intentional, special, truly weaved in experience when it happens. But I love what I see, like Crown Affair and DS and Durga, like insane, yeah. incredible. Yeah, insane, right. And KNC and Bape, like so cool. I think that's just, that really yeah. excites me. And I think like H&M pioneered it. And now everyone's taken the playbook. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did. I just received the Mega Babe and Olive in June. Yes. Like the Manny kit. And it's so cute. It's just so much fun. And so uh, those brands are both quite fun and playful. And they have, it's just like, you wouldn't necessarily put them together, but it really works. And I'm having fun testing it all too. So Aaron, part of what you guys do at Metier, you're working on launching brands from scratch. You're obviously working on your own brand with Cydia, but a lot of people come to you for brand refreshes. We did. What are some of the strategies that people can use if they've maybe had a launch that didn't go so well and you're trying to help them have their next launch pop off? Like what can brands do? Yeah, totally. I think for us, what we really specialize in is bringing products to market, these go-to-market launches that create the proper amount of hype to get people excited. I think that is sometimes a miss. I think sometimes people work so hard on the back end on this new launch and they just put it out there and expect it to be like, bam, this thing is popping off. But you know what? I think it takes a lot of preparation leading up to it. So really properly teasing, showing the behind the scenes of what you're doing. How did you get there? Like, it's so nice to see the final campaign, but like, show us the real of what happened. Show us the TikTok. Like, we want to see the process. People are obsessed with BTS. That's why I started Covetour because they wanted to see the behind the scenes. And so I think for us, it's always about having a proper tease launch strategy that's going to build up enough enough hype that maybe you even can create a wait list. I think people want to, they want to be a part of the process. They want to see what's coming. They want to know about sizing or know about ingredients. Like they want to, when they get there, they want to just like press go on the day of the drop because the retail, you know, landscape yeah. has changed in terms of the calendar. Yeah. It's about building that excitement. And another area where we are guilty, we are guilty in our weekly episode drops. So we are taking notes. Big time. From we talk about this. Class. We talk about this all the time because we're stuck in that whole like magazine thing where you would just work your ass off on the product and then you'd get the box of magazines delivered to your office. You'd rip it open. You'd read the thing. And then like you're on to the next, like, like you're just it onto the shelf. <laughs> like It's totally to flipped on its head. But it's true. Like we never tease our guests that are coming. And I don't know why. I think it's probably, again, going back to that idea. It's like, how much do we share? How much do we reveal? But it's also it. just 
but we never tease it. We never show the behind the scenes and say guests like occasionally. Okay. It's so in 182 episodes. We <laughs> Yeah, I did it twice and it went off really well. It's just we don't have a strategy. We got to work on that. That's coming, guys. 2022. <laughs> We're going to work together, BBP. We got to get a strategy. <laughs> yes. All right. So all that being said, we can't close it out because this is a beauty podcast without asking Tell us the three top shelf items you have bought more than once to keep you feeling like a cool mom. I don't know how I could choose three. It's fair, but okay. (laughs) My number one item is Dr. Dennis Gross Alpha Beta Peels. Iconic. These peels have changed my life. It is, for me, the peel has become like, it's become a ritual in and of itself. Like if I have a bad day, peel. If I <laughs> can't get broken up by a boyfriend because of a husband, but if I get in a fight with Mickey, peel. If I ate too many, too much junk food, peel. Like the peel is the answer. Like I am addicted to the peel. And it makes me feel cleansed and it makes me feel clean. And quite honestly, you guys, you heard it here first. That peel is the best thing to prep your skin for makeup. If you're going to put on yeah, makeup, yeah. how dare you put it on anything that's like, not exfoliated. You guys totally. can't see Erin right now, but she is glowing. It was literally the <laughs> yeah. first thing that we said to her. Now, oh, that's interesting. You do the peel in the morning. So a lot of people do it at night, but you're right. Yeah. Your skin does look pretty popping. Like when you put that second step on from the peel, yeah. It's, yeah. there's magic in that one. Magic. Yeah. All the antioxidants are like soaking in anti-aging. It's just so mm-hmm. good. And yeah, it really is. So yeah, that's my like holy grail. Fun fact. DDG was a client of ours and I was in their one of their campaigns and I ended up in a, in like a Sephora ad, a North American <laughs> Sephora Instagram story ad, my face this big. Anyway, okay. My next item is slightly less expensive and it is, oh, I usually have it with me all the time, but it's my Amazon ice roller, ladies. Okay. That Ooh. thing is magic. Lymphatic mm-hmm. drainage, moving around, everything that's on my face. It's so cold. It's so hydrating. In the summer, I will go for a walk with my ice roller and just Amazing. like be rolling as I go. Yeah, I'm nuts. But you have to try you the have to new, try Lauren's. Yeah, Lauren Bostic. Oh. She is the skinny confidential and she is on our network. Her husband's the head of our network. And she just launched her own ice roller. We just did an episode crossover with her that dropped this week. And it is the oh ice roller God. to beat all ice rollers. Stop it. It's way chicer than my horrendous Amazon one. And my third product is my Cydia Cloud9 headband because it's so soft and cozy bamboo velour on my pesky baby hairs from postpartum, which like rip Mm -hmm. out all the time. And you put it on your head. It's like a warm cloud-like hug for your head. And I wear it every day for my, you know, morning routine, nighttime routine. Makes me feel spa vibes. I just like want to be in a spa all the time. And so Mm -hmm. Cloud9 gets me there. Thanks for listening. You can find details on every product mentioned in today's episode, along with our exclusive promo codes on our blog at breakingbeautypodcast.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. Every episode will be delivered directly to your inbox so you won't miss a single thing. And get social with us. Let us know what you think of the episode. You can follow us on Instagram at breakingbeautypodcast. And did you know we also have a private Facebook group? Just search Breaking Beauty Podcast chat room. You can even leave us a voicemail at any time with questions or feedback at 1-844-227-0302. And don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast fix. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, where you can show us some love by writing a review. 
See you next Wednesday.